0: a reading from john Jesus prayed for his disciples I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world they were yours and you gave them to me and they have kept your word now they know that everything you have is given everything you have given me is from you for the words that you gave to me I have given to them and they have received them And know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf. I am not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them in your name that you have given me. I guarded them, and not one of them was lost, except the one destined to be lost, so that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and I speak these things in the world, so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, so that they also may be sanctified in truth. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. In May of 2014, I got to spend an extraordinary 10 days in the Holy Land with a group of pilgrims. We visited sites where tradition believes Jesus traveled, taught, and lived. We traversed the Via Dolorosa and prayed at the Western Wall. We spent hours praying at the Church of the Holy Sepulchre and marveled on the, at the Jordan River. We worshipped with Palestinian Christians and toured the Museum of Israel. I won't say any of us came close to understanding the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, but we were exposed to the complex nature of the relationship. As our trip ended and we prepared to fly from Tel Aviv to London, I had an experience that further complicated my impression of the region. As our group approached the front of the security line, I was pulled away and sequestered into a stall with a security guard. He closely examined my documents while balancing an assault rifle on his back and asked questions that I struggled to understand. His tone became louder, and he was clearly growing frustrated with me. He opened my carry-on suitcase and dumped all of the contents onto a table. He unwrapped carefully placed souvenir crosses, turned my clothing inside out, and emptied all of the suitcase pockets. Over the course of the next 30 minutes, this particular guard came and went a half dozen times, bringing with him a new colleague each time. They spoke in Hebrew, making their worrisome examinations all the more frightening for me. Now, while I could not be seen, I had watched as my fellow pilgrims attempted to wait for me to emerge, but were ushered through the security barriers to the next section of the airport. They were beyond my reach and I was starting to panic. What about me or my belongings had prompted such a thorough search? Why had they stopped asking me questions? Where had they gone with my passport, and why had I given it to him in the first place? What if this went on so long that my group had to board the plane and I was stranded in Israel? The regional tolerance for conflict had really done a number on me. I was panicked. I felt completely alone and was not sure how all this would end. Eventually, the security guard returned and simply said, you can go now. By this point, I was not just scared, but angry. I pointed to my suitcase and said, please put everything back where you found it. He didn't say another word, turned and walked out of the stall. Tears began to flow in some combination of relief, anger, and helplessness. When I got to the other side of the security, my group was just beyond the barrier, waiting anxiously for me. I shouldn't have doubted that they would be there, but I was so alone and I was so afraid. This fearful interrogation at the airport, though seemingly silly to recount as a memorable event, is always one of the first things that comes to mind when I think about how it feels to be alone. Culturally, I was in foreign territory. Linguistically, I was cut off. And physically, I was separated from the only people who I thought might notice if things had gone really wrong. The metaphor of being stranded in a stall on the wrong side of security perhaps captures what it can feel like when we are separated from people, from places, or a connection to ourselves, which would otherwise help to ground us. Think for a moment about a time when you had this feeling of utter loneliness. What brought you to that point? Today is the loneliest Sunday in the Christian calendar. Loneliest. We are stuck in between the familiar comfort of Jesus' presence and the incoming arrival of the Holy Spirit. Forty days following Jesus' resurrection, we marked his ascension in the Christian calendar, but Pentecost and the Holy Spirit have not yet arrived. We are left alone and seemingly disoriented. Stay with this feeling of loneliness. In our daily lives, loneliness is not confined to the times when we are physically alone. Loneliness may look like a marriage that feels loveless and void of tenderness after many years. Loneliness may look like a career that lacks meaning and fails to give purpose to the rhythm of your day. Loneliness may look like constant worry over your child's endless battle with addiction. Loneliness may look like the stigma of of a mental illness that completely changes your experience of the world. Loneliness may feel like an overwhelming sense of defeat when contemplating racism or the environmental crisis. There's so many ways in which our daily living can leave us feeling alone, stranded, and helpless. The isolation of loneliness can also create a cavernous divide from God that feels inseparable. This is the feeling we are meant to have on the Sunday after the ascension. It is the moment between the cancer diagnosis a loved one receives and the prognosis and treatment plan. It is a void that causes you to question all of your choices and God's very existence. We want nothing more than to make a plan to see us through to the other side, but we have not been given points of reorientation. So we wait. We endure every last moment of this in-between feeling. And then... We put one foot in front of the other. There's nothing about this in-between time that feels resolved or desirable. It simply must be endured. This is the stubbornness of the Sunday after the ascension. We just have to keep going. Jesus has returned to God and we are left in limbo waiting on a word of hope. These feelings, this Sunday after the Ascension, this time in between Jesus and the Holy Spirit, it is entirely different from the 51 other Sundays in our church calendar. It is the only Sunday when we are asked to dwell in between one form of God's presence or another. Here's the most important thing about dwelling in this moment. It gives us a glimpse into how God feels all the time. God constantly endures our absence, our lack of attention, our disinterest, our inability to simply be in God's presence. Yet I wonder, how often do we stop to wonder about how God experiences us We spend plenty of time wondering where God is or why God failed to show up in the way we imagined God would. But how often is God left waiting on me and on you? How often does God feel completely isolated from the ones whom he ordered the whole of his heart? There's an extraordinary paradox wrapped in this unnamed Sunday after the Ascension before Pentecost. It is a glimpse into what it means to be alone, not just for humanity, but for all of God's divinity. While many churches celebrate the Ascension and the Pentecost with brass and appropriate liturgical fanfare, there's a shadow side to the moment in between the two celebrations. It is a deep and painful void between where we are and where we hope to be. Today, we catch an empathic glimpse of how God experiences our absence. And so just for today, I invite you to dwell in this absence. Explore the depths of your loneliest moments and know that God's heart has also endured this same cavernous divide. Amen.